And the Oscar goes to. And the Oscar goes to. Yeah, move or can you Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. So what I got? Movies are dreams that you never forget. Hey, welcome back to The Watch List. My name is Russ Matthews with Real Dialogue and my co-host, Hope 103.2's Laura Bennett. And we're here with a movie podcast with a bit of a twist. We, we want to look forward. We want to look back. We want to look side to side and look at all things in film and faith when it comes to talking about the movies. And boy, they let us come back. They let us come back. Episode two. We're here. So excited. We're, we're going to be looking at as the thing about the twist about the, the watch list is that we don't just look at one movie. We actually look at kind of a theme. So we're yeah. kind of looking at heroes in a way this week. Yeah. But I thought it might be fun to kind of look back a little bit and look at our last podcast. What did you think about the Oscars? Well, I realized how wrong we were with some of our <laughs> predictions. I mean, that was right. the main thing, right? I, I, I really enjoyed watching it. So with the Oscars air here in Australia when I'm doing my um, daily show. So sure, right. I don't yeah. necessarily get to sit and watch it, but I get to have it on in the background, sure. which I feel like is the good way to watch it because no one wants to sit through a three-hour, five-hour ceremony just, no. you know, in there. So kind of catching the highlights and then being there as it happens, I really like doing it like that. Sure. So I love that Brendan Fraser won. Yes. I just, I needed that moment to happen for right. him. Right. And I was so excited that he did because the whale was extraordinary and how he acted in it was extraordinary. I feel like I was not expecting everything everywhere all at once to sweep as many of the awards as it did. No. Like I, I, I recognize it's done really well up until this point, and it's really great that it did win in those categories. But I just was like, my goodness, I did not expect right. for it to be the one that just you know outshone all of the others. Right, it, and, and it did. It did all of them, and actually, it deserved it. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. Michelle and and also um, Jamie Lee Curtis. That was actually one of my favorite moments. Was actually yeah. seeing somebody who has been a part of the industry for so long. She's been a part of some of my favorite films throughout mm-hmm. my life, and actually to see her recognized was great. And I did like Jimmy Kimmel at the end, like Oscars without incident. And he yeah. turns it over as like, we've done one without incident. Yes. Yes. As a bit of a, you know, nod to the slap and everything oh. else. Well, actually my two, my, my other two favorite things was one, which I, I really I haven't seen RRR, but the Natu Natu performance of mm. the music was amazing. I mean, and I'm usually not one. Usually the Academy Awards, their music performances tend to be, yeah. eh. and this was incredible. But then my other favorite part, Hugh Grant. On the oh, red really? carpet. I love you, <laughs> Grant, on the carpet. Oh, I thought gosh. that was kind of fun. I thought he was kind of cheeky. I thought he was kind of being kind of silly. I know oh, some people are kind of a little bit, yeah, uh, but it's. I think he's also so over having mm. to do these things after a while. He's like going, what? He's and copped so a lot of, of flack. Because there was a lot about what he did. He's like, this is a bit rude, buddy. Like, you're getting to be there. You're getting to have this experience. But then I actually, in terms of best red carpet moments, I don't know if you heard, but Bill Nye, who was up for oh, best yeah. actor, I mean, he didn't love win. The living. But he had with him this little toy um, bunny rabbit and everyone was like, what's this meant to represent? Because normally an actor with something like that, like they're trying to make a statement statement. or do it for some reason. He was on um, like babysitting duty for his granddaughter and this little bunny was what he was minding for her. And he's like, I can't leave it at home. It's coming with me. And so he brought it to the red carpet (laughs) as part of his granddad duty. And I was like, that is actually the sweetest thing ever. Like win an Oscar for that, you know? Exactly. Well, and what Going to granddad duty because mm. I'm a granddad, you know. Yeah. So I'm the I'm the salty or the sweet of the sweet yeah. popcorn, <laughs> salt, sweet, salty sweet popcorn. Is um, 
there were uh, some trailers that kind of came out mm. during the Oscars, and so in one of them was the new Little Mermaid one. So yes. yeah, that's so yeah. that's a granddad moment because I mean mm. now I've moved from being the dad moment with my daughters to all of a sudden going, oh, could I see this with my grandchildren? Are you going to do it? You want to see it? Oh, definitely, definitely. So I mean, what what were your thoughts of it? I mean, we're looking at the hero's theme. Mm. Was the Little Mermaid was Ariel <laughs> maybe a hero for you Look, growing up? I don't she know. probably was when I was growing up. She was her and Belle. Beauty and the Beast, they were my two favorites. And so Little Mermaid is very like near and dear to my heart because I always thought she was one of the more special characters. She had the fun red hair, which when you're like an eight-year-old, you're all about, oh my gosh, it's red and it just looks cool. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like that kind of got me. Boys, it's a little different. Anyway, we'll go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. No, but so I really liked the Little Mermaid. I liked her story and everything like that. So to see it coming back and watching this trailer as well, I realize they they probably are going to take a really nice approach to it. Like some sure. of the effects look a little, mm, I'm not sure, in terms of her underwater and everything like that. Right. How's that really going to, how are they going to pull that off well, given it's live action? Right. You can see like the disconnect between reality and CGI is a little bit more pronounced than right. if it was just, you know, an animated movie. Mm. Or but Aquaman's going to swim in all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah, or some of the Avatar characters, something like that. So. <laughs> right. I watching the latest trailer that they've released, I have higher hopes for it than I did when I watched the first teaser trailer. Right. And Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. Oh yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's gonna be so good. So I think I would just see it for that, if no other reason. Oh yeah. Well, and it's got an Academy Award winning director. Yeah. It should be phenomenal. I think I think one of the things that kind of that people need to remember. Mermaids aren't real. I don't want to spoil it for people. <laughs> don't you but mermaids, mermaids aren't real. And so yeah. the fact that they can kind of take some artistic license and kind of make whatever this world as it is, as long yeah. as they kind of stay true to the story. I yeah. mean, if they don't stay true to it, I mean, in the sense that it was Hans Christian Andersen, he was mm-hmm. Danish, so it's not in Danish. No. But but it's uh, it's honestly, it's actually, they've kind of just kind of gone with it, but they've got a great cast. Javier Bardem, I mm-hmm. mean, come on, as the father. I'm He's like, going to oh, incredible. So I... Here, I don't know. I'd love to know what your thoughts are, but mm. I actually want more live action films made. Oh, I don't. Oh, that's a difficult thought because I remember watching The Lion King. Mm. Uh, do we call that live action? I guess. Yeah, like it sort of. Was, but Jungle it's Book, like, sort of, yeah. Yeah, they're like a fusion. And I don't know. I think because like my experience of the Disney movies was obviously as cartoons, right? It's. There's something that's kind of lost in the magic of them when they make them live action. Like I don't oh. mind that they I don't mind necessarily that they bring these stories back in some way because right. they're really special stories and I think, you know, some of the themes that are in The Lion King, some of the themes in Beauty and the Beast and these different movies, even Hercules, like the cartoon Hercules mm. from forever ago, I remember like they're very formative. Sure. And so I feel like if Disney want to do those stories again, I feel like there's benefit to them for the next generation mm. of kids. But whether or not doing them in live action is the best way to approach it, I'm not sure because they just don't have the same sparkle and color and excitement as I think the original cartoons did. So maybe if they could do them as animations, mm. it might be a better way to go. But maybe. we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. See, because I personally, well, see, I'm, I used to be in business for years. And so, mm. come on. I mean, like Disney, I mean, all those movies, Aladdin, Alice in Wonderland, all those, mm. they made a billion dollars, not a million, yeah. a billion dollars each worldwide. Yeah. And so all of a sudden you're going, well, there's a business model. Of yeah. course, you got to make them. But two, there's not a lot of films out there for families. And so no. I'm looking forward to like the Little Mermaid and others because I can take my grandkids, my kids, mm. go see a movie and enjoy it. Because I'm so tired yeah. of watching them on the television and go to watch them on the big screen. It's great. Yeah. You know, and so I think that 
that those are one of the things. But also, honestly, I want him to go back to some cult classics. I want him to see Meet the Robinsons. Yeah. I want to do Treasure Planet, mm-hmm. and I want him to do Tarzan. But is I that just going to ruin? Is that no. going to ruin it? For no. You if they I want to see gorillas playing drums <laughs> in live. I want. I want to see you know the Cadbury ad where the the, yeah. the gorilla is playing the drum and doing it all because it's Phil Collins. You know, it's Phil Collins. So anyway, it's just for fun. I think that it can. I think that they will, and I think that they should keep on going. I think if they keep making good films. I mean, that's the thing about it is that they're great stories that really need to be tapped into and is worthwhile Mm. for the family. So that's why I want them to, I want to keep doing it. So it'd be good. What did you think at the end of the Oscars this year, they started to announce how they were readjusting some of what qualifies a film to be Oscar nominated. What did you think about some of the changes that they made? Because I'll, I'll like quickly run us through a couple of things they okay. said for those at home who may not have caught I this. Know. So now to be up for Best Picture or any of the other major awards, at least one of the lead actors or the significant supporting actors has to be from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group, whatever that might be. At least 30% of all actors in secondary or minor roles have to be from an underrepresented group. So whether that's women, a racial or ethnic mm, group, right. the LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus group or people with uh, different disabilities, Mm. there has to be to get into these categories, a level of representation from all of those groups. What did you think about their decision to enforce representation in this way? Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. I think that's the tail, the tail wagging the dog. I think what we have to do is we have to start making good movies Mm. and not let the Academy determine how movies are made in the sense that creativity, none of those things are necessarily bad, Hmm. you know, to be able to add them in. But in the creative process, why don't we just make good movies? And then if they do include these things, great. You know, that's fantastic. But if you want to make a movie that's going to get an Academy Award where you're going to have to go with the list, it's kind of like going to private school and complaining about the uniform. Mm. You can't because you're going to this school. Well, if you want to do an Academy Award winning film, you're going to have to go by these rules. So Mm. play by the rules. But if you want to just make a good movie, make a good movie. I I wish they would just go to the creative process and just really go out there and make great films. Yeah. I think there's nothing wrong with honoring the different communities. Cool. But I think that really, let's just make good movies so that people get back to the mm. cinemas again. That's my thought. Yeah. I don't know. I'd love to hear what your thoughts well, are. Well, I kind of look at it, like I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Like if you're saying, if if someone says this is what creativity has to look like, whatever those parameters are, like I imagine it's the same for songwriters or painters or whatever. It's like the boundaries of your canvas can be really limiting mm. or they can inspire creativity and new ideas. But I feel like the idea of putting some framework around what qualifies a film, to me that's really difficult, especially in this kind of subject, because part of me is like, Again, with you, it's like there's nothing necessarily wrong with improving the representation of these groups. Like that is needed in many different respects. But I feel like the the logic or the philosophy of enforcing it, that really grates against me a bit because I feel like it's the same thing of like if you think of the fact that movies have such an impact on society and culture and what we think and how we see the world, when you're saying that like you're kind of shoving these ideas in, people will watch these movies and think, oh, okay, our society looks a particular way or our society values particular things, but it's not necessarily true of society to say that it values those things because what's put on screen has been forced. Mm. It's not like an accurate representation of positive social change. It's almost like a mask for someone who they want the award, right? Like, So it's like I don't like the idea of forced inclusivity because to me that goes against the very heart 
of why we want to improve it in that you want you want people's genuine attitude to be one of inclusivity. You don't want right. to force them to think a particular way. In the same way, yes, much simpler, but like how much better is it if you're a parent and you ask a kid to do something, how much better is it when your kid does that thing of their own, you know, volition as opposed to you having to say, can you do this? Can you tidy your room? Can you whatever? Right. If they just do it themselves without being asked, it's so much better and so much more genuine than enforcing a particular kind of behavior. Yeah, I think I, I honestly I, I think that it, it actually stifles the creativity process, opposed to enhancing it. And yeah. I really would rather enhance it. I understand why they have to do it. I understand yeah. their political positioning and all that yeah. they have to do. And so I'm not necessarily railing against the Academy, but I honestly wish we would just get mm. back to just make good movies, yeah. and then hopefully all these other things kind of fall into place. Yeah, I just don't want it to be tokenistic. You no, know? no, I don't think that's going to be good. Well. Now that's okay. So we we had the Academy Awards. We're yes. so we're, we're jumping from that. there. We're clear of that. And obviously, we've had kind of coming out over the past week is the next big superhero film. So Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Mm-hmm. And so it's the latest addition into the whole DC universe. But then it also it gives us an opportunity to talk about heroes a little bit. Yeah. And so unpacking that. But it, we got to go see this film. We got to go yes, see it. So yes. love to think, hear what you're thinking about this film. Did you enjoy Shazam: Fury of the Gods? Well, let's catch. Let me catch you up on where this one sits okay. in the in the story. Because for those that watch the original, so 2019, the first Shazam comes out. We're introduced to Billy Badson, this like teenager who gets magical powers or superhero powers right. from a wizard. He just says Shazam, and like suddenly he grows up. Well, okay. watch oh, for the lightning. Didn't happen. Okay, he, anyway, go, he, go ahead. he grows up. He gets the powers. And for him, he adjusts to what it means to be a superhero and a teenager. Right. The end of the last film, he shares the powers with the rest of his foster care family. Right. And then so in this movie, he's now got his whole crew of family alongside him as they try to, like, battle the evil forces, etc. But you have this ancient group of gods, Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, Rachel... What's her last name? Oh, yes. oh do you remember? Twist. Spoiler no twist, alert! No twist. No, anyway. no spoiler. This is no spoiler. But so they're in there as these ancient sister gods who right. want to come back and get the powers sure. off Shazam and his family. So premise-wise, story-wise, there's a lot of possibility here. But right. I feel like I've always wrestled with the way these Shazam movies have been delivered right. because at the centre of it, you've got the portrayal that Angel Asher has Mm. of um, Shazam and Billy, and then you've got Zachary Levi's portrayal. And I feel like they're very different. Like the version of Billy that um, Angel plays is really different from the version that Zachary plays. And that for me is I don't feel comfortable with it in the sense that I feel like Shazam ends ends up being this really like childish kind of juvenile mm. hero right. and I that's not what I want him to be. Right. But that's exactly what this story is about, you know, sure. a teenager becoming an adult. So it's a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely can understand that. I can de- definitely traveling from the first film to the second film and also because also you see all these other children or teenagers who are actually becoming superheroes themselves too. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I can definitely see that because I, I enjoyed the first film. I thought the first film was just an enjoyable kind of adventure, even though I grew up on the television show Shazam and I thought Shazam was actually pretty cool. You know, mm. I mean, I loved Shazam, the, the television show. But then to be able to kind of go to this, I thought that they did a really good job of kind of showing the puberty being lived out in a yeah. superhero body, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. thing. And so watching this kid do that. This one, the newest one, I, I didn't find that it re- they really captured the same 
energy is the first, mainly mm. because it was almost like watching The Breakfast Club, you know, John Hughes film in superhero world, you yeah. know, and it didn't really quite work too well just because he had so many different personalities. Yeah. You know, Zachary Levi, 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 Levi. Levi. And Levi. I think I said Angel Asher, but it's Asher Angel. It's Asher. <laughs> There you Struggling go. with names. So uh, where he's trying to kind of lead this pack, he's an almost 18-year-old at this point and all that. And so it was good, but then on top of it, I think one of the things that they always struggle with with superhero films is they don't have a great, great villain. Yeah. And unfortunately, they split up the villainy between the three of these amazing actresses, but mm. they kind of lost it. I think they almost kind of lost where that was going. It was okay. It was an okay one. It, I, I enjoyed it. It was entertainment. It was good popcorn fun, but I don't know if it was necessary as magical as the first. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, like, I feel like they, it was it was hard to put my finger on exactly what I felt like they were doing wrong. Like mm. you've got you've got the ingredients of what should be a great superhero film. You know, you've got like Zachary Levi is an incredible actor. The cast are amazing. Right. But it was like, there's something, there's something lost in the portrayal of, of Billy Batson, I think, that kind of just leaves it a little bit weak in the middle. And then, like you say, the villains aren't necessarily really like there and because they're trying to have the teenage comedy in it it's like nothing really feels like it's that high stakes mm. and so maybe for like the key demographic or the key audience they're trying to reach for this is like a younger teenage audience right. so they may love it right like it may suit its target audience perfectly but I feel like for everyone else watching it it's kind of feels very inconsequential right even though it's a bit of fun and even though I love Zachary Levi mm -hmm. I just didn't I didn't love. I'm sorry. I didn't love this one as much no, as I wanted I to. Oh, I didn't. I didn't like like as much. Well, mm -hmm. in a good question because we we actually got to see it with a friend of ours, and he actually brought up the question of superhero fatigue. Are we in yeah. this this point of superhero fatigue? What What are your thoughts on that? Do you think we're in superhero fatigue? I think we might be getting there, and I've I've wondered if this was like me personally, like because I've watched the the all the Marvel movies, all of the DC movies, all of the spin-offs and everything. It's like the last, you know, 15, 20 years of my life of everybody's lives who've been watching these movies, we have been saturated with these characters and at times I've loved that and mm. I've followed the journey, but I feel like after Avengers Endgame, like that was a real end of a season in so many ways. Like right. it didn't just mark the end of that particular part of that franchise, but it kind of closed off a decade of of stories of life of all of these things that you know we've we've kind of gone through over that decade and it was all the almost this weird like this season of life is is shut and then all these other bits were added to it and it was like I don't know if we need to continue to have these characters these mm. versions of these stories particularly because I feel like when life gets more exhausting and I think over the last few years there's been a lot of things in the real world that are really challenging the idea of taking on the difficulties of like a whole other universe a whole other world and these powers that these superheroes are fighting against it's like I don't know if we we can deal with real world and also this imagined reality where there's a lot of challenge and stress and everything mm. like that at the same time. And I also wonder if it's not necessarily a superhero fatigue so much as a, f as a fatigue of these particular heroes, right? Like oh. if we, if we like James Gunn and others are obviously redoing the DC universe right, right. now. They're looking at what that's going to be. I'm like, what if we just cleared the slate like let's get re like forget Superman and Batman and like forget like Iron Man and Captain America like get rid of all these heroes we've sure. known up until now maybe we actually need like an entire fresh group of characters of heroes to get behind and people could invest again because mm. I don't think I can stomach another Spider-Man movie like I, I want <laughs> to enjoy it but I'm like oh like we've right. had this like I 
I, I need someone new if we're going to emotionally connect right. with these characters again, I think. Yeah, that's, I, I, think it's a really, I think it's a really good point. And I think that they are. I think that they are going to try to introduce them. It's just hard because people aren't as familiar, say, with some of the yeah. kind of the, because uh, even they were introducing there at the end of this one, this, the ju- not the Justice League, you know, mm. but we're looking at kind the of other, the association, you know, looking at all these different different elements of the, um, mm. the these different universes. I I I would probably argue that I don't think we're up, we're on superhero fatigue. We're just in a we're actually in um, bad movie fatigue, mm. in the sense that so many of these films, especially over the past few years, have just not been that good. They've been yeah. managed by committee. They are they just aren't investing their in the story. They used to be great. I mean, yeah. I, I want another Dark Knight. Yes, exactly. I want, I want another you know films where they just are great films. I mm. want them to give money to the Russo brothers again, and yep. let's just make the Marvel Universe mm. again really good. Just yep. great storylines. We're not sitting there trying to make everybody happy. Mm. We just make really good films. Yep. And I think that that's where... I hope that they do. I hope that James Gunn and all that, not that I think he's the savior of DC, but mm. I think that he'll add something to it. But yep. I hope that they actually do. Because I think that, like, even with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the animated one, yeah. I, that was actually the last animated Spider-Man film was probably one of my favorite Spider-Man films, hands down. Yeah. And um, even with the upcoming, like, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I actually look forward to kind of seeing yeah. these films. Because they look like they have a rich storyline and mm. history that we can kind of invest in. Um, but I, it'll be fascinating. I think that, because I mean, I just look back and I go, oh, Black Adam, what are you doing? Yeah. You just made the most charismatic actor in Hollywood mm. boring. And like, maybe it's, what? it's like the, kind of that sort of thing. It's when they moved into like the machine of it, right? Like I think Captain America, the first one was a great movie. I genuinely enjoyed that. The first Iron Man, I think of um, Christian Bale and that Batman, oh, like man. you said, incredible. But when you watch Christian Bale as Batman, you didn't feel like you were watching something that was part of this big universe or part of some big machine. You were just watching an incredible trilogy, right? right. Like it had its, it was brilliant in its own way. It wasn't just like the next movie they were rolling out. And maybe that's what we've gotten exhausted of. Right. It's just feeling like we know we're rocking up and just giving you your next paycheck right now, you know? Right. Not necessarily, it's not really for the audience as much as it's for the production company. Exactly. It's for, and they're really just trying to kind of add another money to their coffers. Yeah. Well, I, I was curious though, and kind of going down the whole heroes thing, mm. um, is looking back, I, I mean, come on. I mean, when I was growing up, everybody put the towel around their neck and they all of a sudden became Superman. <laughs> they became whatever superhero they were. Yeah. Do you have a hero when you were kind of growing up? Oh, Did you have that you you would could have looked to and it well, was yours? I had bunk beds and so <laughs> when <laughs> when you can jump off the edge of your edge of your bunk bed as, you know, like Superman, of course I did. But I don't know that it was my interest in the superhero so much as my interest in like attempting to fly. Oh, okay. So that was kind of yeah. And I feel I actually had like my heroes were kind of more like Nancy Drew. Oh, okay. Like I went down Harriet the Spy. Sure. I loved, they were kind of the people for me as a kid that I really loved. Or Pippi Longstockings. Oh, there you go. They were the, they were like these curious adventurers. Sure. And so they were the characters that really got me in. And then I will actually say probably it was only when I was maybe more teenager, early 20s, that I really got into the superheroes proper okay. because one of my good friends was an absolute comic nerd. And so I feel like I got my comic education from right. him and then I was more invested in these movies because I really understood 
the context for them and why the different characters were so important. Oh, yeah, yeah. So for me, the actual DC Marvel season of life probably came a little bit later. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was down the track. So you didn't necessarily put, you know, when you're a teenager wearing a towel around your neck no, and flying I, I around. No, didn't, I didn't get there. Like no, no, yeah. no. I carried around binoculars and, and pretended I was a kid spy. There you go, perfect. Yeah. Oh, I love it, I love it. Yeah, see, because I, I did. I mean, I, come on. I of was, course you did. I was Captain You're America. wearing a DC shirt. Yeah, I mean, of course you did, I know. We love Batman, we love all of it, because you want the utility belt. Yeah. All the different things. You wanted to be a superhero it, it, yeah. it, because you wanted to do all the things that they could do and they were cool and it was so much fun to, be yeah. able to kind of look at. I, I even asked my uh, my kids and they were going, oh, yeah, come on, we grew up with you, Dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like even for my daughters to be like going, oh, yeah, I love Wonder Woman. And, yeah. And they actually like She-Hulk. I was like going, really? I'm mm. like, oh, wow, big That's a creature. whole other subject, uh, a whole man. Other oh, my it was gosh. fascinating. So just be able to kind of look at – I think everyone does. I think um, – kind of looking at the whole superhero thing, it kind of made me think of, because looking back again, you can actually put in your diary that you, or you can kind of put in your kind of contacts list mm. that you've actually talked with Zachary. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Levi um, about, yeah. you know, you got to meet the guy behind the Shazam story, and didn't you? this is why I feel conflicted about my lack of deep love for this movie, because Zachary Levi, like he... I watched Chuck. I, for me, I watched him in Chuck, which was an incredible show, and I just loved the way that he brought that character li- to life and that he has done with other roles as well. And I think he's doing an incredible job with what he's been given sure. with Shazam. I just yeah. think that it's kind of an unfortunate ecosystem in and of itself. But he wrote this book called Radical Love, which is what I was chatting with him about, which is all about the journey that he's been on from a mental health perspective. It speaks about some of the trauma that he experienced as a kid, where his belief in God and his doubts and challenges around that have fit into his life. Mm. And he does tell a story about getting this role of Shazam at a time in his life where he had done a lot of personal work. He had he actually shares about really being on the edge of wanting to live or not and how some of the perspective he got through prayer, through therapy really helped him adjust. And then as he got that breakthrough, he gets given this role of Shazam. And he says it wouldn't, if it had come at any other time in his career, he he doesn't think he would have been able to handle it. Like it wouldn't have been right. He would have broken down from the pressure of that, from the responsibility of that. But it was like his personal experience and his career opportunities kind of collided at exactly the right moment where he felt like he was emotionally and mentally prepared to handle everything that comes with being the front of a franchise like this and getting criticism for it too, right? Sure. Like he's may well be doing an amazing job and having fun, but not everybody's going to love it. It's not necessarily going to be as big a success at the box office as people want it to be. But so what do you do when, you know, like those challenges come? And as I feel like he, from what he shared, it's like he's got the resilience to be able to handle that now, maybe in a way that he otherwise wouldn't. And it also, when you understand some of his backstory and what he went through as a kid and his experiences with his own mum and dad, some of the way that he plays the role of Billy Badson, and even if you haven't watched the movie yet, like he does have moments like kind of on a therapy lounge where he's talking through some of his imposter syndrome and even, you know, like, how he may look like a grown man on the outside, but he's just this young boy in the character of Billy Badson dealing with abandonment, dealing with, you know, childhood traumas. Part of me thought, like, I'm sure Zachary's own heart is in this story because there's aspects of that that mirror his own experience. And he's very much an actor that wants what he creates and what he offers the world to have a positive impact on people. So I feel like he has a really sincere heart in how he has brought, you know, himself into this movie and the the choices that he makes creatively with it. 
I just feel like it's unfortunate that maybe it's not going to translate quite as well as he and others probably would have wanted it to. Yeah, you go. Well, well, definitely. I hope that people are able to kind of access that interview because it is a fascinating interview. Yeah. Definitely worthwhile kind of getting access to. But I think one of the things, though, I want to do, especially as we kind of wrap up, kind of come towards the end, we always kind of look side to side, looking at some of the deeper questions that come from a theme like heroes or superheroes in particular. Um what what are your thoughts on why do we why do we love it? I mean, if you look at this industry, you look mm. at graphic novels, you look at comic books, you look at all of the movies, they've made billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. There's obviously something there. So what are your yeah. thoughts on kind of maybe some of the deeper questions that are kind of being asked or considered when it comes to superheroes or having heroes? Well, that just reminded me many years ago as part of when I went to university, one of my papers that I wrote was called Jesus Christ Superhero. Oh, there you go. And I wrote this whole thing about the way that the characters, so many superhero characters, like particularly in the Superman story as well, they so mirror the narrative of Christ. Like, yes, there's a lot that are around them that, you know, doesn't totally fit the story, but this idea of some kind of savior, somebody who is from another world yet relates to our human one and can see the pathway through and like fight off evil and give people a sense of hope, give people something to, you know, believe in or look to or feel is coming to rescue them type thing. There's a lot in the spiritual side of life that that relates to, I think. Right. And so t- for, so for me, I feel like all of us, like my belief is, is that all of us have this sense within us that there is something more, like mm. that there is something beyond our human experience, that there is something bigger out there. And I feel like superhero movies give people a space to kind of contemplate that feeling or wrestle right. with that feeling, get imaginative with it as well. And absolutely, they're not necessarily pointing people to like, here is your answer and this is what salvation is necessarily, but I do feel like they just kind of stir up that part of ourselves that does genuinely believe in something bigger and also the our own personal responsibility that each of us do have a role to play in the world being a better place, you right. know, in evil being defeated, if you want to put it like that, right? Mm. What about you? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, 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 the thing I love about superhero films and all of those is the the fact that they do kind of point really directly to kind of the meta narrative of God's bigger story. I mean, this world's messed up. I mean, you look at, you know, it's not too hard when your news feed blows up because yeah. all these things kind of happening from the personal all the way to the bigger, the earthquakes and all those horrible things that happen around the world. And so I think think people are looking for a hero. Yeah. And I I don't think that necessarily we're looking to something that hasn't already been there or existed mm. and that we'd be able to point to um because you really can see almost every superhero film there's almost like a death barrel and resurrection scene that occurs. I mean, not to spoil it, but I mean, especially especially in this Shazam film. Yeah. Um and so you're able to kind of point to it. It's not necessarily they're going to say that's mm. Jesus. But what we can do is we, we can, especially as Christians, if we're watching a film like this and we're watching with family or friends, we can actually say, hey, you know what? Actually, there this is a cool movie, mm. but there's a better hero that I could really talk to you about. Yeah, and I wonder as well, c- coming back to your earlier question of the superhero fatigue, if you get deep about it for a second, I wonder if people's fatigue with this concept of a superhero actually also matches our own feeling like 
as things are cha- more challenging in the world, like mm. do we even think a hero can help us, right? right? Like maybe we're just exhausted by the idea of someone being able to step in and do something because it feels like the world is a really challenging place. A lot is broken about it. Maybe we're just actually feeling over the concept of you know, belief in something. Yeah. Like, is it kind yeah. of pointing to our exhaustion? Like, maybe our hope is just feeling a little bit battered, right? Yeah. And yet we can know that there is hope. There is. And I and I think that, too, that's the other thing that Jesus really offers is he doesn't wear a cape. He doesn't wear a big S <laughs> on his chest. You know, he's not necessarily the hero that most people would be looking to or yeah. think could save. But, yeah, if you really, if you dig into the message that he really has to offer, he does truly have the opportunity to save the world. And so that's beautiful about it. So. Love it. Love well, it. this has been fun. Yeah, this is fun. Episode two. Episode two, the watch list. Again, my name is Russ Matthews with Real Dialogue and Laura Bennett from Hope yes, 103.2. Indeed. And uh, we are hope that we've been able to kind of tap into the bigger questions of life. If you want to find out more from Real Dialogue, it's com, And also Hope 103.2. You can always find all of the, the content there in their website too. Yes, yeah, so you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find it on the Hope Media app. And of course, if you are watching, on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see all the episodes. And that is also where you'll find the Zachary Levi interview as well. Perfect. Oh, good. I was going to ask you if we were able to do that. So this is great. Well, Laura, you're always a hero to me. So it's always great. So and uh, thanks again from the watch list. This is Russ Matthews and Laura Bennett. Bye. Watch me. Watch me.